Good morning. Good morning. Our lives can sometimes feel like we're uh, broken, shattered, and destroyed. But the good news is that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the reason that we can experience a full, full life. And our lives, no matter how bad they may seem, are never irredeemable. And I've said this every week. Another way of saying that is that we are not too broken for God to repair. You can be too broken for me to repair, but God can fix anything. He is God. He created you. So in and through Christ, you and me can rise above the ashes and we can experience an abundant life. See, so like I say, this is just in case you want to take a nap during the preaching. The big idea for today is that in the busyness of life, in the busyness of life, we often neglect our connection with the source of life. In the busiest, busyness of life, we often forget our connection and we neglect our connection to the source of life. You see, drawing near to God through contemplation, prayer, is the way in which we experience the nearness of God. See, this is an intentional practice, and this will not happen by accident. We're not going to fall into this aspect of being a Christian. This, this has to be done with intent. So welcome to week four of From the Ashes sermon series. As we take a seven-week journey into the cross together, each week we are looking at a different aspect of Jesus' life during his ministry on earth. Each week we are getting a glimpse into the abundant life that is offered to us by Christ. The first week we talked about our identity, which is so important because if we do not find our identity in Christ, that is the starting point. If, if, if you don't realize that you are God's chosen child, that he has adopted you into his family, none of, none of anything else will make sense. You have to realize that you need to get your identity, what, what God thinks of you, not what the world thinks of you. And secondly... We talked about temptation. And everyone in here is going to be tempted. But if we know where our identity is, we know where to turn when we are tempted. And last week we talked about humility and thinking of others more than we think of ourselves. We should still take care of ourselves. I said that last week. But we should think of others more. So I challenged uh, Everybody to bring some food items to put in the can and, and uh, all the way to Easter. And, and my goal is when I'm at the grocery store, I'm going to pick up a few extra items that I, that, that, that I know that are needed. And if you need a list of that, they're, on the, they're on the de- the, in the foyer on the table and you can pick it up. And they're the things that, that are most needed, that, mo- that, that they need. And just pick up a few extra things. 
Because I know how much groceries cost now, and I know there's a lot of people out there that can't afford to buy groceries. So while I'm at the store, I've been throwing a few extra things in my, in my cart and, and then putting them in the, in the bin. And that, that's what I'm encouraging you to do because I think we exist as a church to help our community. And our community, it, our, our immediate community is Rockford. But then our community is also the world. So we've not got to forget about that too. That's what we're here for. That's why we're still here. And this week, we're going to take a look at one of Jesus' most powerful habits. Contemplation. Or being still and quiet with God. I think most everyone I know, and me personally, wishes that they had more devoted, more powerful, and more purposeful prayer time with God. I think we could all put our hands up and say, I wish I could do, have a little bit more time with God than I have. One of the major issues we all share is that we all have a busy life. It doesn't matter if you're retired, not retired, work, not work. Everybody fills their life with stuff. We live a busy pace of life and constant stimulation that we all experience because we live in a time that we are completely always stimulated. Whether it's the phone, the TV, something, our phone buzzes. Well, I'm pulling it out because I need it in a minute for a demo. So, so, uh, but all, all seriousness, seriously, all of this seriously impedes our ability to slow down. Because we live so busy with all the electronics, and I love electronics, obviously, but, but because we, we're so wrapped up in, in the world and making ourselves so busy to fill in all the time we have, because we only have so much time. And to be honest, doesn't it feel awkward to be still and silent? I want everybody to stand up for a minute. And I mean literally a minute. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to start a timer. And I'm going to say now. And then you are to sit down when you think a minute is up. So you've got to close your eyes and think of nothing. Don't cheat by counting. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Think about God. And sit down when you think a minute's up, starting now.
That's one minute right there. It's hard to be still, though, isn't it? Just, just doing that, it's a hard exercise to do for one minute. Okay, I know this because right now I'm tiling my bathroom and I have to mix mud and you, it, you have to mix it for five minutes and then you have to wait 10 minutes and then mix it for another three minutes. I always, as long as I've mixed mud, I set a timer. But I'm mixing and I'm there and I'm just thinking and I'm mixing and I'm mixing. And after a minute, it doesn't look any different. You can mix that thing for 10 minutes and it's going to look the same. So after a minute, there's no watching that consistency. It just, the consistency gets a little bit different after the first minute of mixing your, your mud, the, the, the adhesive for your tile. You're mixing and mixing and mixing. And you have to mix for five minutes. So you're mixing it and mixing it and mixing it. I'll look at my clock and two minutes have gone. I'm thinking five minutes have gone. I'm, I'm going... Plus, you're holding a drill that's got a lot of power. And if you don't hold it right, Andrew's going, yeah, because he's used one. It jerks you, and you, you've got some pain. So you've got to, and I'm thinking, this is five minutes is a long time. Seems like hour. You're mixing this stuff for an hour. And then you wait five minutes, and then you do three minutes, and you think, oh, not again. But if you want to do the job properly, you have to do it that way. But it really gave me a, an idea of, of, of waiting Waiting for stuff. Because you can't, if you don't do it the right way, the, 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 the adhesive does not work properly. It's not mixed properly. And the, the slack time, the 10 minutes is so the powder can absorb all the water that's in there. And then you have to mix it again. So then it's fully mixed. And if you don't use the proper things, that's not going to work properly. It's kind of like your relationship with God. If you don't take the time to be still, it doesn't work properly. On some level, this exercise that we just did draws our attention to the challenge of stillness, contemplation, and prayer in general. You see, and specifically, that we are uncomfortably, uncomfortable being still, being still and silent. We don't like it. Most people do not like, in this day and age, sitting in a silent room. It drives us crazy. It drives us crazy. Our lives are so loud and busy and frantic that many of us have grown accustomed to the noise and we feel out of place when it all stops. And it's never truly... Do you know... I. I've got some friends that are breeders that I that occasionally I do part, a little bit of part-time work for, and they have me watch their house. And I love actually watching the house, except for work starts at, at 4 o'clock. And I, when I mean work starts, I've got to be up and taking dogs out at 4 o'clock. So I'm outside, and what was funny is Shelly would call me about 6.30, and I would still be walking dogs, and she would go, wow, you can hear the birds chirping. Because it's, it's quiet. It's so beautiful because you, you can hear stuff because it's out there. And, and I like it because I'll go out and actually, even though I've got a pack of dogs around me walking, none of them on leashes, I can just walk every now and again pet a dog, but I can talk to God. 
It helps me because I get to be outside. Nobody's bothering me. I've got some dogs that follow me. And as long as they're all accountable for, when I put them away, that's all the manners. They got their exercise because they're following me. But it's a good time for me to be still and quiet. But you don't really notice all the other sounds because we're never completely silent. But it will come, it will come as no surprise that the Bible has a different way for us. A much more fulfilling way, and there are several principles we can put into immediate practice. We can take these things that I'm going to teach today home and start using them and grow our relationship with God. As long as you put the, you can't do anything unless you practice what I'm going to tell you, okay? And that's the idea of me standing up here and speaking to you is to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Before we get too deep, though, today, I want to, you to first draw attention to one of the items I'm using. I'm using this word contemplation to describe a behavior we see modeled in the Bible, especially by Jesus. Contemplation is peaceful, silent, Calm place for prayer. See, I'm using it to describe this. And for example, let's take a look at Mark 135, where we see Jesus walk off into the desert early in the morning to be alone in prayer. This is what it says. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place And there he prayed. I always go, if it was good enough for Jesus, it must be good enough for me. And if it was was good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for you. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we're supposed to model Jesus after all. So, what did that look like? Did Jesus sit in silence? Did he sing? Did he bring a laundry list of items with him? Did he pray for his favorite psalms? See, we don't know. But when I think about contemplation, stillness, and connecting with God, I think about this verse and that he goes away to get close to God. He goes to a, to a place where he can have peace to get closer to God. And by the way, he's Jesus. He is pretty close to God before he goes out into wilderness, into deserts, and up on mountains. See, honestly, who doesn't want a powerful and purposeful prayer life? How many of us would say we don't want to connect to God intimately? I mean, that is the whole idea of being a Christian, by the way. The whole idea is, to, is, is relational. We are supposed to have a relationship with Jesus. It's the only religion. That's what makes Christianity so great, is our God wants a relationship with us. 
Listen to what, the way Richard Foster describes prayer. When we pray, generally, when we pray, generally pray, the real condition of our heart is revealed. This is as it should be. This is when God truly begins to work with us. The adventure is just beginning. See, prayer is an essential part of our adventure. The adventure we're all on. When we accepted Christ as our Savior, we started a new adventure. We just, we just ordained Andrew. This is a new adventure in Andrew's life as he follows Christ. As the worship pastor of Calvary Memorial Church. This is his new adventure. It's part of his adventure. But I can tell you, if he wants to succeed, he's going to have to have a good prayer life. He's going to have to have a good relationship with Christ. I just got prayed over and blessed for the ministry of this church. And if I do not have a good prayer life, I shouldn't be here. I need to be close to God. Because if I'm not close to God, how can I talk through, how can God talk through me? You are all on adventures for God. And if you're not close to God, how can you hear him tell you what he wants you to do? Prayer is our most amazing avenue for connecting with the Lord. Think about this for a moment. You are invited to speak on a regular basis with the divine creator of the universe. Our God wants us to speak to him. Our God wants to hear your concerns. I don't think that's what he mainly wants to hear. See, some of you are thinking, but I don't know what to say. When I go in this quiet room, and what am I supposed to say? How do I start? It seems weird. I'm talking to the air. In the words of Robert Foster again, this is what he urges. I urge you, carry on an ongoing conversation with God about the daily stuff of life. For now, don't worry about proper prayer. Just talk to God. Sharing your hurts. Share your sorrows. Share your joys freely and openly. God listens in compassion and love, just like we do when our children come to us. Don't you, when your children come to you and want to talk to you, just listen? How much more would God want to do that for you? He delights in our presence. When we do this, we will discover something inestimable value. We will discover that by praying, we learn to pray. So just having a regular conversation with God, you don't have to. There is no special language to talk to God, by the way. We all could just talk to God like I'm talking to you, like you talk to your friends. Because God is your friend. You can just talk to him like you would talk to your parents or your children. He will listen. 
We learn by doing. Everybody in here is at, at, at a career or is in a career. And you've learned by doing. You've got better at whatever you did by doing over and over and over again. Nobody just goes, I'm an expert. So what would make talking to God any different? I mean, when I had children and when I had grandchildren, they just would blah, 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 blah for a long time. Some of them for a lot longer than others. But they learned to talk, didn't they? By practice. And we, as parents and grandparents, encourage them to talk. So how much more, if you actually take time out of your day to go to a quiet room in the house and talk to God, is God not going to encourage you and teach you how to talk to him? I think you'll be surprised if you start doing this. Matthew 6, 5 through 6 says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and at street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You see, what he's saying there is, these people that pray out loud all the time, and that's a lot of people, that's the only time they pray. That is the only time they pray. And they throw in words like hallelujah, and they start talking in King James English because they think that's how God speaks. You've all seen these people. You've all heard these people that throw in these extra special words thinking that they're holier than holy. But I bet you most of them don't even pray in private. And they have their reward when everybody's going, wow, they can pray. I wish I could pray like that. I actually don't think that when I hear them. But I'm not going to say what my thoughts are. See, but he says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. And I think he rewards us in many ways. In some ways, he rewards us by teaching us how to talk to him. It's a reliance on God. It's a reliance on God because that's what we need to do. We need to rely on God. If we only go to God when we're having troubles, when we're in pain, we're not relying on God. We're, We're saying, God, bail me out. I don't need you when my life is going good. I only need you when my life sucks. If that's the only time you talk to God when when you've got a diagnosis that is horrible or that your relationships have been blown up or you can't pay a bill and that's the only time. I'm not saying God won't listen because I think he does listen. But I think that's a prophetic relationship. If me and my wife communicated, because by the way, that's what, that's what our relationship with God is supposed to be like, a marriage, okay? And, 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 and if I only communicate, if I only communicate to my wife when I'm having problems, how long do you think that marriage would be successful? 
And if I only communicate when I want something, how successful is that marriage going to be? If I never listen to her, how successful will that marriage be? If we never get any alone time together, how successful is that marriage going to be? It's not. So, if you never get any alone time with God, how successful is your relationship with God going to be? If you don't take your whole life to God, because that's what he wants. By the way, you actually gave it to him, partly, when you accepted him as your savior. Because accepting him as a savior is saying, I'm yours. I'm not the world's anymore, I'm yours. So you gave yourself to him, but now you're taking yourself back. See, I'm going to give you a couple of principles that I think will help us develop a more fulfilling and devoted life of contemplation, prayer, and stillness. First, we need to lift our eyes up. Our eyes need to be pointing upwards, metaphorically speaking, because God's everywhere. But just like Psalms 121, 1 through 2 says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The principle here is that there are times in each and every day when we need to stop what we're doing and look up. Throughout the day, and we need to talk to God. I'll say this every time I teach prayer. If Jesus needed to pray, we need to pray a lot more. If Jesus needed to speak to the Father, we should be doing it a lot more. Remember, Jesus was God in the flesh, and he prayed. If he prayed, we need to pray more. We can get so laser focused on the next thing in front of us or the thing monopolizing our attention and we forget about our relationship with the maker of the heavens and the earth. I'll get to that later. Isn't it strange that the most important relationship in our lives we put off till later? We put off till later. I can, I'll talk to God later. And then it gets tired, and we've all done this, and we're laying in bed. We're laying in bed, and we start talking to God. And then we wake ourselves up because we're going, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Yeah, thank you for my family. That's what we do because we're so tired because we've left it till the end of the day. We've all done it. I've done it. Everybody's done it. Where we've waited till the end of the day. We're laying in bed. That's part of the problem. I think that's why sometimes, we, I, think, I think sometimes the methods, I don't agree with everything about the Puritans, I, I, I agree with a lot, uh, there's a lot of it I, I, I agree with, but, but, but when they kneel to pray, it makes you uncomfortable, so it keeps you awake. Especially if you don't put any cushions there and you just kneel down and you've talked to God, it keeps you awake so you can actually have a conversation with him because you've left it too long to pray. Now, imagine if you wake up, have your first cup of coffee, 
And the first person you spoke to in the day was God. I think if you started to do that, your life would change dramatically. If the first person you spoke to was God every morning, your whole attitude would change. Your whole attitude to other people would change. Because you focused on God first. So now you look at everybody else through God's eyes, not your eyes. See, we can forget about his compassionate care over every detail of our lives. We need to look up. Looking up causes us to change our perspective and focus on something else. See, or in this case, someone else. Told this story before, and my mom, I went there be- while she was in her battle with cancer. And while we were there, she had some complications and ended up in the hospital for a week of the time I was there. And I was there, and I was focused, laser-focused on my mom and, and, and praying for my mom. And across from my mom's bed was a lazy lady that was complete. This is, by the way, to me, this is the first thing that, that I had prayed and asked God to do, that I physically know that he answered my prayer. And, and it was amazing. This lady was in the bed. She uh, was, was Catholic, but I only know this because I spoke to her husband who didn't believe in God at all. Okay, He, was, and, and, and I, he had seen a lot of stuff. In, he, was a, he was a detective in the English uh, police force, and he was just investigating a brutal uh, murders of a whole, like eight children that the father shot them all, and then burnt the house down. And he was investigating this, and he'd seen so many brutal things like that that he'd stopped believing in God. And I asked him, because here's what I'll tell you. Even if people don't believe in God, and you ask them if you, if you want to pray, most people say, yeah, because they're going, what I'm doing is not working. Maybe, maybe your God might do something. So he's, he's there over his wife, and... And she's laying there, and they've told them they don't know if she'll ever wake up from this uh, coma. She's basically, uh, she's not waking up. They've got to keep her. Her cancer's got so bad. And so I said, can I pray over her? And he goes, yeah, she believes. Not him. He goes, she believes. So it, yeah, for her, yes. So I prayed. And this is how God is so amazing, by the way, because I could have never seen that lady again. Because two days later, my mom went home. But my mom was on chemo where they put the jar on you and then you leave. So she'd be there for like four hours and then she would leave with the rest of the medicine and it would be pumped through a pit line to, a, to a wherever it was. I don't know how it works, but whatever it works, however they do it. I know she had a tube that went this way and that she had a big jar on her arm. Okay, so... About, so she went home, it was the beginning of the week. Friday, would, she had to come back to get a, a chemo treatment. And so she's getting her thing. We were, it was in a town. So me and my sister go walk around because my mom says, I'm just going to read a book. You could go walk around. So we went and walked around the town. We come back and we have to go into a waiting room. And who walks in the waiting room to see her family? 
she's still in the hospital. The lady that wasn't going to wake up walked into the hospital. I didn't say a word except thank God. I don't know. She could have died the next day. This is what he told me. She wanted to be able to go home and die at home. If she didn't wake up, she wasn't going to go home. That was her wish. Maybe, I don't know the rest of the story. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll know the rest of the story. I'm not so sure when I get there, I'm going to be concerned about the rest of the story because I'm going to be so in awe of where I'm at. But, but I think that's amazing that God, if you actually take the time to speak to him, he answers your prayer. That, that boosted, boosted my confidence in my God. And by the way, he didn't have to answer that prayer. He didn't have to answer that prayer. He's still God. Because I prayed for my mom to make it long enough for me to say bye to her. And he didn't answer that prayer. But guess what? He's still God. And he's still amazing. He's still amazing. But he did keep my mom, at the time, he kept my mom alive long enough to see her last grandchild that was born that year. She got to hold her her last grandson that was six months old before she went. He did keep her long enough for that. He's still a good God. He still answers our prayer. So as you take time to stop what you're doing and look to God, you're reminded He cares for you. He is watching over you. And the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Psalms 121.7.8 says. He will look after you. You see, God gives you everything that you need. And sometimes he gives us what we want, but most of the time he just gives us what we need. And we don't even know what we need. I don't know about you, but I find this reality to be incredibly comforting that God will keep me and he will look after me. No matter what. Here are a couple of simple ideas. Most Anyone can do to practice looking up. So if you're feeling anxious or stressed, or if you need a little space to process a difficult situation, just take a walk and talk to God and listen. And listen, today, everybody's walking around with phones in their ears anyway, so if you're walking down the street talking, nobody takes notice of you. It's not like... It's not like 25 years ago that you walked down the street talking to you. Everybody thought you belonged in a mental institution. Now, now, now you can walk talking all the time and people just presume you're on the phone. You are, but you're not got a phone bill that you're paying. You're talking direct line to God. So take a walk. Get some time with God, get up and get out and get moving. As you're walking, tell the Lord about your situation. Pray over it. Invite him, invite him into it. He wants you to ask him to come into it. 
He wants to say, I'm here to help you. I'm not going to force myself upon you. See, I, just like me, and I'm a bad father, right? but, but, but just like me, compared to God, by the way, I, I, I rank somewhere in the middle probably, depending on which child you ask. But just like me, if my children want something, do you know what? You wait for them to ask. You don't always give them. And sometimes you do just give them, but most of the time I like to wait and let them ask because that brings, they're inviting me into the situation. They're not expecting me to dive into the situation. They're inviting me. Maybe schedule a daily time to stop whatever you do and put away distractions and sit in silent prayer. Maybe every day take your phone and switch it off for 15 minutes a day. Go into a room that's got no technology and just sit and talk to God. We plan all other things around stuff. We got favorite TV shows. Oh, we've got to be home by then. I mean, not anymore because we can just record it and watch it later. But, but in general, I mean, everybody here has had, um, I want to watch that show tonight at 8 o'clock. And we didn't have DVRs when I was growing up. So you had to be home by 8 o'clock to watch that show or you weren't watching that show. And you'd, have to, you'd miss it because they didn't do reruns. So you missed the whole episode. You didn't know what was going on the next week you watched the show. Now we can DVR it or, or Hulu it or Netflix it and it's on there the next day. So we're okay. We can watch it. Or if we're really desperate, we can buy the episode. These are just a couple of ideas. But where do you feel at peace? Where do you actually, there's, everybody's got a place where you feel at peace. Where is it? Go to that place and be quiet and listen to God. If it's nice, you can go to the park and sit, in a, sit on a park bench and just listen for God. Listen to God. Are there people in your life who can help you stay accountable to this principle? It's good to have people and say, hey, you, you, you can say, hey, can, if, can you ask me about my prayer life this week? Ask me how I'm doing, how I'm, how I'm communicating with God. If we started doing that, we would we'd get accountable. You know, there's some days, I work out three times a week with David, there's some days in the morning that I'm like, oh, really? Monday morning, nearly every week. I get up early Sunday, early, early, and then you get up early Monday, and I'm like, but I want to be accountable. So I love working out with David. I'm going to miss that. I I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to find somebody else because, and I've got like four weeks left of working out with David, and I'm really going to truly miss that because he has helped me do something that I have never done my whole life. Two years nearly, I've been working out with David, and it's been a blessing because I'm accountable. And I'm only saying that because if we're accountable to somebody, if we, we make our lives accountable to people, and that we ha- ask them, because you shouldn't just hold somebody accountable, by the way. They should invite you in to hold them accountable. 
I mean, David, I never said to David, hold me accountable. I made myself accountable to David. The rest of the verse said, the Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He will keep you. We need to practice stillness. We need to practice stillness. See, regular times of stillness and quiet are incredibly powerful for our overall health. This makes sense as most of us live very, very busy, full lives. Let's look at a couple of verses from Psalms on this point. He says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And Psalm 62.1 says this. For God alone, my soul waits in silence from him. For him from him comes my salvation. See, what is a, was it about stillness and silence that helps us get reacquainted with, the, with, with our Lord? Why does our soul, our inmost being, feel at rest there in the quiet? Why is the silence so sacred? Why? I could ask dozens of more questions like that. But instead, let's take a look at Elijah's story. And his encounter with the, with, with the Lord in the book of 1 Kings. This is what it said. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great wind and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, where came a voice of him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Look at this and take note of this. The Lord wasn't in the wind. The Lord, he wasn't in the earthquake and he couldn't be found in the fire. The Lord was there in the gentle whisper. See, many of us lead such a crazy and chaotic lives that it is few and far between when we actually have the space to entertain the gentle whisper of the Lord. See, but this is exactly why it's so important to make time for silence prayer, and contemplation. We may think that at the millions of things we're doing every day are the most important and valuable, but stillness tells a different story. He's there waiting and willing, but we're not stopping and listening to the quiet whispers. We are to come to Jesus. See, as we finish up today, let's take a moment to be brutally honest about something. And please take a moment to be, to 
be honest, honestly consider what I'm about to ask you. Okay, is all your striving and all your hustle and all your appointments, activities and action, are they making you a more peaceful person? All of that busyness, is that making you a more peaceful person? Is the grind of life giving you the kind of grounded faith you long for? Are you sitting in the ash heap of unmet expectations, broken resolutions, and message notifications that you never have time to answer? Are you, are you thinking about these questions? Is the busiest of life getting you closer to God? As you think about those questions, I want, you to read, I want to read you one of the most powerful, important messages in the New Testament. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, Come to me. Jesus is saying this to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That promise alone, that promise alone should make you want to have a better prayer life and a better relationship with God. His burden is light. Our burden, our burdens are heavy. It takes an intentional effort culture to carve out sacred time and space to connect with God. But, but well, when it, you hear the words of Christ from Matthew eleven twenty-eight thirty, 28, 30, and you realize there is a space for your burdens, your exhaustion, and your chaos, what an amazing feeling. What an amazing Savior. See, so I ask you, What are you going to do to carve out time in your busy life to take time to be still and listen to God who wants to have a relationship with you? If you've got got your cell phones, you set a timer every day. You can set a timer and say, I'm going to set a time from this time to this time. I'm going to silence my phone. By the way, most phones have a silence my phone thing. You can silence it for as much time as you want. So you, you cut that time out and you, you have an alarm set and then you take time and stay and talk to God and build your relationship with God. I want to challenge you to do this this week and, and, and see if your life isn't different after seven days of doing this. And then try it for two weeks and then three weeks and try it all the way up to Easter and then tell me if you try this. If you try this, come to me on Easter Sunday and say, Ed, I tried that. I took time every day. I took 15 minutes out of my busy schedule to talk to God. And nothing happened. Nothing changed. I challenge you. I challenge you just to do this till Easter. From now till Easter. And, 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 and come to me. If, if, if it doesn't work, come to me and say, Ed, that doesn't work. I don't think anybody, if they really truly do this, 
is going to come to me in two weeks, three weeks, three weeks, and tell me that this isn't working. I think everybody's life will be different. Maybe you could turn everything off at 8 o'clock at night. Or maybe in the first thing in the morning, like I said earlier, at, before you speak to anybody, speak to God. Take 15 minutes out of your time to talk to God. With no specific purpose, but just to talk to Him. Tell Him how you feel. And be brutally honest, because God doesn't want you to lie. He wants to hear how you feel if you're struggling. He, he is a caring God. He wants to hear all of that. It will be worth the stillness to listen for that gentle whisper. And each week I've been saying, uh, you got some homework? Read some scripture. Next week's scripture is Luke 15, 11 through 32. So I want you to, to, to read it so you can be ready for next, next, next week's sermon. And next, next week's sermon's on confession, repentance, because actually Easter, the season, is a time of repentance. Next week, if it's a time of repentance, we have to talk about that topic, don't we? And next week will be that topic. So please join us. Uh, Next week, as we continue this Easter service, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for all that you do for us. We, we thank you for being a God that wants to hear from us. But God, there are times when we feel distance from you. Help us to carve out the necessary time in the day in our lives to develop a deep and abiding relationship with you because that is what being a Christian is all about. It's, it's relational. Help us to grow and submit our lives to you. Give us the focused desire to know you and to make you known to others around us. Please help us to add a regular time of prayer to what we do every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.